your average podcast. It's not a political show. It's a podcast about church culture and the culture at large, viewed through the lens of Scripture. It's the Richards Revelations podcast with Scott Richards. Here's your host, Scott Richards. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Scott Richards. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we try to live our lives just a little bit better as we look at things through the lens of Scripture and then apply it to our life. I want to encourage you to share these podcasts with others. And if you're liking these podcasts, go ahead and hit the like icon and subscribe. If you'd like to participate in the ongoing production of this podcast, there's information below on how you can donate, if you're so inclined. Once again, I am truly thankful that you take the time to listen to these podcasts. Welcome to this week's podcast. Before we get into today's subject, I want to let you know that you can follow us on our Facebook page, Richard's Revelations Podcast, and most other social media platforms, including YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and so forth, under my name, Scott Richards. If you want to make it easier, try Scott Allen Richards. Allen spelt A-L-A-N. Welcome to part three of New Age Occult, Law of Attraction. Now, if you haven't listened to episode one or two, I recommend you go do that because otherwise none of this is going to make much sense to you, as this week we wrap up the third and final episode in this series. Before we go any further, I do want to make a clarification uh, from last week's episode in regards to what I said about Joel Osteen when he was on the Oprah show and the things of God applying to non-believers. There are some things that do apply even to non-believers, one of which is one of which is the sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap a whirlwind. And so there are things like that that the Bible does speak to that affect the non-believer. I was referring to, and maybe misspoke or didn't make it clear, of benefits that Christians receive. Things that as a Christian where God blesses your life, intervenes in your life, works on behalf of your life, we can reach out, ask for healing, we can ask for provision, and God will intervene and work in our life in that way. A non-believer can't ask God for these type of things and receive them, because as a non-believer, the prayer that God hears from them and answers from them is a prayer of repentance, where they step into a new relationship with Jesus Christ by acknowledging their sin, acknowledging He is the only one that can cleanse them of their sin, and then they receive Him into their life, and then they choose to walk according to God's Word. So that's it on that. Just wanted to make a clarification because on listening back to it, it seemed like, I don't know, I would have questions if I was listening to it and it didn't have a clarification on that. So I wanted to make sure that those that don't know me and know where I'm coming from, that it is clarified. There you go. Now let's continue on. So far, I focused on two main things that are part of the Law of Attraction teaching. First one being the idea of deity, being little gods, the answers within you. Secondly, you can change your reality by your words, thoughts, and visions, essentially thinking and speaking things into existence. So now I want to play some clips of various people within the Word of Faith movement declaring things, speaking things into existence, which goes right along with their teaching that you have the ability within you, the power, the authority to declare things, change reality by changing your mind and speaking what you want to manifest into your life. The other clips you're going to hear, one is from Franklin, Change Your Words, Change Your Life, Stephen Furtick, New Ager, Richard Raw. You'll hear Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson, declare against cancer, don't pray, declare. Another speaker at Bethel, Bill Johnson's church, speaking things into reality. 
another pastor at Bethel declaring things into reality, and yet another speaker, I am powerful. God said, I create, the word create means to form, fashion, and mold like a potter. I listen to what you say, I create, form, and fashion the fruit of your lips. How do you get God to work in your life? How do you activate God's miracle power? God said, I have linked my creative, miraculous power inseparably to the words that you speak into your life. Faith is meant to be more than a formality. Can I preach this? Faith is meant to be more than a feeling. Faith is meant to be more than a formula. In fact, if you can reduce it to a formula and make sense out of it, it ain't faith. If you can explain it, it ain't faith. You don't need faith for what you can explain. You need faith for what your eyes can't perceive. You need faith for what you don't understand. Richard Rohr has a definition of faith. He says that faith is patience with mystery. Faith is the willingness to abide in a place that you don't fully understand the ramifications of. Faith is patience with mystery. Raise your hand if you have cancer in here. Raise your hand if you have cancer in here. Okay, put your hands on them. Everybody that has their hand raised, please, somebody touch them. Don't pray, declare. We declare that today is the day of breakthrough. We ask for the prosperity of the righteous today. We ask for the increase of, of the land, God. And God, we say that we're taking the land where the giants are, God. We step in and we obtain the promise by faith and by your spirit. And so, Father, we declare right now that her lungs will no longer be a thief over her life. Her lungs will no longer be a thief over her life. This is the baseline moving forward right now. The night will no longer be a thief and her lungs will no longer steal from her confidence. Her lungs will no longer steal from her confidence. So Father, we release life and vitality over her lungs, over her breath. Now in Jesus' name, we speak complete restoration. God, we speak to her lymph nodes right now, God. We command every cell that is not in perfect alignment with her body to be killed right now in Jesus' name. We curse any infirmity, any assignment, any cancer in our body right now. We command it to die. All right, we're going to declare offering reading number four. Here we go. And let's say it with faith. I am powerful. And what I believe changes the world. So today I declare God is in a good mood. He loves me all the time. Nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus' blood paid for everything. I will tell nations of what he has done. I am important. How he made me is amazing. I was designed for worship. My mouth establishes praise to silence the enemy. Everywhere I go becomes a perfect hellstone. Again, these are not biblical. It's not true. It's from the occult. If it were true that we are little gods and we have the authority and power to manifest into our own life that which we want, we wouldn't need to seek God and pray for him 
to intervene in our life, to guide us, to direct us, to open doors, because we would do it for ourselves. Why do you need God to intervene in your life? Why do you need his help? Lord, if it's your will, uh, let me get this job or whatever. If we want something, we just manifest it. Also with this concept and idea, what happens when you are manifesting into your life a job while someone else is doing the same thing for the same job? You can't both get it if there's one opening and you've got a couple different people, whether in the church or just part of the occult, manifesting, speaking, and visualizing that job into their own reality, into their own life. What happens? Well, you can't both get it. Well, here's what happens. The law of attraction teaching tells you there's too much clutter in your mind. There's too many frequencies interfering, too much negativity in your thought patterns. The word of faith teachers will tell you you didn't have enough faith or you didn't sow a big enough financial seed to release that into your life. See, it becomes very convoluted. On one hand, you have the power to manifest things into your life. On one hand, you have the power to manifest things into your life, but only if you release God's ability to let it happen through sowing a financial seed. We've heard that all the time. You need this healing. In order for God to be able to be released, for him to be able to heal you, you have to plant a seed, a financial seed. And like I said in last week, the people teaching this stuff have all become rich. So very convoluted, because on one hand, like I said, you can manifest things into your life, but it can only happen if you plant a big enough seed or you had enough faith. And if you if it doesn't manifest into your life, it ain't working because you don't have the faith. You doubted. You didn't plant a big enough seed. A little more on us being little gods. And I'm going to I'm going to quote you something by Casey Tree, pastor of Seattle's Christian Faith Center. He had a tape series for a long time. It's no longer available. It's been discontinued. So I want to give you this quote because it does fit into, and it, I think it comes from the heart, even though when he was called out on it, and I want to give you full disclosure on this, he has subsequently said, well, I'm not saying, I don't really believe that we're like actual little gods. And so he kind of tried to massage it a little bit, I guess. But when you listen to all the other things that he says, I believe he still has this concept and idea of this. And when you listen to the quote completely, it's not like slip of the tongue, as it were, in this one little tiny phrase it mentions. He like doubles down on it within the quote and kind of backs it up with it. So I think he actually did and maybe still does, but he doesn't publicly state it anymore. I want to put that out there because it's important as we move on, as I explain some of this to you, that the idea that he's stating here, same thing that a lot of these guys are stating. So Casey Treat, as I said, is the pastor in Seattle of the Christian Faith Center. And the tape series was entitled Believing in Yourself. So even the title of the tape series, series of studies titled Believing in Yourself, which this in context fits with the whole concept of that theme and title of a series. And he states that, believe in yourself, that we're exact duplicates of God. I'm an exact duplicate of God. When God looks in the mirror, he sees me. When I look in the mirror, I see God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, sometimes people say to me when they're mad and want to put me down, you just think you're a little God. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got that right. Who do you think you are? Jesus? Yep. Are you listening to me? Are you kids running around here acting like little gods? Why not? God told me to. Since I'm an exact duplicate of God, I'm going to act like God. End of quote. 
One of the texts that they try to use out of the scriptures for them being little gods is Psalms 82.6. If one looks carefully, it is apparent that God is mocking the judges, calling them gods, who had perverted justice. He, God, says, I say you are gods. Nevertheless, you will die as mere men. And that's in verses 6 and 7. This is the same proof text that Mormons use to say one can become a god. It is also a contradiction that if one is a god, that one should die as a man. God is mocking, God is mocking, and in a real sense, condemning those that would arrogantly try to lift themselves to such a status. Another problem with the Word of the Teachers is their misunderstanding of the meaning of man being made in the image of God. To use Treat's own illustration of looking in the mirror, when one does look, what one sees is his own reflection. The image is not reality. The image is only a reflection of one's reality. One reflects God's image, some of his qualities, but one is not God. Granted that man is the apex of God's creation and as such is completely different from the rest of creation. But being God's image does not mean that one is a little God. Humans are not divine by nature. God is divine. Galatians 4.8, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are not gods. Some other scriptures you can look up is Isaiah one. 6 through 11, chapter 43 and 10, chapter 44 and 6, Genesis 1, 26 and 28, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Ezekiel 28 and 2, and then of course, what well, we just hear the whole thing of Psalms 8, verses 6 through 8. First, there are the biblical statements which say that God is not man. Nehemiah 23, 19, 1 Samuel 15, 29, Hosea 11, 9, Second, there's a biblical teaching on the attributes of God already mentioned according to which God obviously cannot now or ever have been a man, except in the sense that the second person of the triune God became a man by taking upon himself a second nature different from the nature of deity. Third, in the context of Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, and then also chapter 5, 1 to 3, there is one very important difference between the relationship between God and Adam. On the one hand, Adam and Seth. On the other hand, Adam was created or made by God, while Seth was begotten by Adam to create or make something in the image or likeness of someone means to make something of a different kind that nevertheless somehow pictures or represents that someone. It's therefore a mistake to reason backwards from creation of man in God's image to deduce the nature of God. Genesis 1, 26-27, I said, is telling us something about man, not about God. Besides Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, and Genesis 9, 6, the Old Testament says nothing else about the image of God. The New Testament teaches that man is still in God's image. 1 Corinthians 11.7, James 3.9, but also says that in some unique sense, Christ is the image of God. It's 2 Corinthians 4.4 and Colossians 1.15. Christians are, by virtue, their union with Christ being conformed to the image of God and of Christ resulting finally, after this life, in glorification, 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Romans 8.29 and 30.
which includes moral perfection. Yet Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10, and an immoral physical body like Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15.49, Philippians 3.21. Man was created as a physical representation, not a physical reproduction or exact duplicate of God in this world. As such, he was meant to live forever, to know God personally, to reflect his moral character, his love through human relationships, and to exercise dominion over the rest of the living creatures on the earth. Genesis 1, 28-30, Psalms 8, 5 and 8. There is nothing from a biblical understanding which would warrant the conclusion that man or that man are or will ever be gods, even little gods, as faith teachers often put it. This is dangerous stuff. When people believe this falsity, there are those that feel hurt, they feel bewithered, especially in relation to sickness, death, health issues, and even financial issues in some cases. But when they are told that they have the ability and power to not be sick, or they have the ability and power for themselves or a friend or relative to be healed, that it's God's desire every time, and that you have that ability to do that. And when it doesn't happen, because it doesn't always happen, because based on God's will, when he wants to heal and when he doesn't want to heal, and I like to put it this way, when somebody who's a born-again Christian passes away, they've been healed completely because they are no longer sick and no longer in any pain. But with that said, there is a heap of shame and guilt that people carry because other Christians believing this lie will heap upon them, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith that your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister died. They should have been healed. Or if you weren't poor, if you would have had enough money to release God's ability to heal them, then they wouldn't have died. People carry that hurtful weight, and it's unbiblical. It's straight from the pit of hell. It's from the occult that's worked its way in the church, and it bothers me and concerns me that I have, I've seen this even on social media. I've seen it within family members. I've seen it where other people have been criticized because somebody didn't get healed, and they should have been, and it was the onus was upon you, and it's your fault. These people are going to answer for this someday. If, in fact, they're not all charlatans and all playing a phony thing and really aren't saved and it was all about the money and there are a few that are out there, there are some that it's basically a money game for them. And I question their authenticity as being a true believer in Jesus Christ. Apart from those that will stand before God and be cast into hell because they're not saved anyways, and they're charlatans and they manipulated this because it was a great opportunity to get rich, those that are just basically teaching false stuff are going to stand before God one day and give an account for all the people that they misled, all the extra pain and sorrow and suffering that they heaped upon people because of their false teachings, this cultic thinking in the church that now people have taken upon themselves and have a guilt because, oh, my sister, my brother, my mother, my daddy, whatever, would not have died. My wife, my husband wouldn't have died, but for me, that is wrong. So my desire in taking on this subject in this way, it's a warning. It's not just bad theology. It's a cult working its way into the churches. Stay away from this teaching. Don't attend fellowships that teach this stuff. This is not simply a merely difference of a doctrinal teaching, but they hold to the essentials, and this is just kind of one of those things that 
that isn't clear in Scripture. No, no, this is clear. This is not biblical. This is dangerous. It's a cult teaching. There's so many fellowships that you could be a part of that have maybe minor theological differences that don't teach a false idea of deity and the nature of God and us being one and the same, or that we can, in and of ourselves, have the power to manifest whatever we want through our life. Don't go to these type of fellowships. Don't go to the arenas when these big-name people come to town and teaching this stuff. When they appear on the television station or the radio, turn it off. Don't subject yourself to false teaching. And I asked you in last week's episode of the beginning, are you a true seeker of truth? And are you willing to accept that when there's clear evidence through the Bible that maybe the teaching you're sitting under is unbiblical, are you willing to recognize it, accept it, and make a change in your life? I encourage you strongly. If that's you, seek God out on where you should go and look for a Bible-believing church. Find a church that, that a part of that ministry, at least, not every time they get together, but at least part of that ministry has a teaching of God's Word. And what I mean by that, it's not a three or four point message all the time, but at least there is a time in the week that you can go, even if it's not Sunday morning, maybe it's Sunday night, maybe it's midweek, whatever, that they are going through each book of the Bible, each chapter, reading each verse, explaining it to you so that you get it in context so that when these type of things arise, you can spot it that it's not biblical, it's not true. And so when somebody pulls a scripture out of context and tries to spin it into something else, you'll recognize it because you know the context of that scripture. That's how you protect yourself from unbiblical teaching. But if you're only in a church that ever does what, coined the phrase of many sermons, where it's ever only preaching, and I like preaching, but you got to have a balance of biblical instruction of reading every single verse in a book in its context, discovering who it was written to, what was the time, what was all the, all the stuff that goes around that when you're studying the Word of God to find out what is it really saying and how do I apply that now today in my life. I don't want it to seem like, oh, these podcasts are just all about finding fault within the church. My heart is that when we find things that are unbiblical, that it would be a revelation to you so that you could be freed from unbiblical teaching, unbiblical healthy practices, and find a, a place where you can thrive as a Christian. That's my heart in it. We're going to talk about other things. It's not only going to be what it seems like. It's like apologetics in the sense of looking at things within the church, only the practices within the church. But these few weeks, that's what we're talking about. Probably going to do something different next week, and then we'll get back into, I want to continue some series within the New Age Occult and bring out various subjects within the New Age Occult. Those that I've found worked its way into the church and address them so that you're aware that when you hear those things, this is not biblical, this is from the occult. Well, that's it for this week's. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Because, as I say each and every week, I know there's a lot of people you could be listening to, but the fact that you took a little bit of time to listen here, I want to thank you so much for doing so. If you think somebody could benefit from these podcasts, be encouraged, be enlightened, be strengthened, please share that with them. And once again, thank you for joining me on this journey as we try to live our lives just a little bit better. Until next time, God bless you.